guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. How are we doing today? Some of you are doing good. Is God ever going to let you down? Never. Never let you down. Hey, there's this little uh, little boy, and he came into the house one day, and he noticed that his mother had this huge family Bible. So the little boy uh, asked his mother, what, what is that? He said, it's our family Bible. So she lifted it and set it over in his lap, and he's kind of flipping through it, and there was a leaf that was pressed between the pages and it fell out onto the floor. And the mother said, what's that? And the little boy said, well, it must be Adam's underwear. <laughs> but but aren't, you, aren't you glad that God saw him in his sin? Maybe the first time where an animal was killed to provide skins to cover his, his sin. And as I, as I thought about that, which has nothing to do with the message at all, I thought about the fact that what it must have been like to come to the end of being able to be in the garden and to have to be pushed outside of that garden and to have a, an angel standing there so they would not eat of that tree that would leave them eternally in their sin. And I think the one who came and made provision for our sin, we don't stop and think that this Jesus, we have his words right here. And when we're talking about the parable, we're talking about stories that he told us. The mirrors to look within ourselves. The windows to look out and to be able to see God. And today, we're looking at our last message in this series of meeting ourselves. And I trust that you've met yourself, that you've looked at the mirror of yourself. That you've looked out beyond that and seen God in new and fresh ways. This is our 13th parable that we're looking at. It's our last one. It's called When the King Returns, and I think it's fitting that we save this one for the last one. It's going to be the parable of the pound, and it's going to be in Luke chapter 19. If you want to turn there, we'll get ready to be there in just a minute. We've got notes. We'd like for you to follow along with us, help keep your attention focused in on this passage of Scripture. But Passover always celebrated Israel's liberation from Egypt. Perhaps this was going to be the Passover where Jesus would liberate Israel from Rome. And as Jesus and the disciples were making their way towards Jerusalem, rumors began to circulate. He plans to overthrow Rome. He's going to establish David's kingdom. The kingdom of God is here, 
as he sat upon the Mount of Olives about ready to descend into Jerusalem. So Jesus, I believe he gave this parable that we're going to be looking at today to silence those ideas. Because one day he would come and he would establish his kingdom, just not today. He first had to go away. And before he went away, he had to die on a cross. So he was not entering Jerusalem as a king. He was going to enter Jerusalem as a savior. And you and I are living between the time when Jesus ascended and when he's going to return. And in this time, he's left us a job to do. And we're going to learn about that today in the parable. And when he returns, this parable suggests that he's going to deal with three kinds of people. First, he's going to deal with the faithful. Second, he's going to deal with the unfaithful. And third, he's going to deal with the rebellious. So these are the three groups of people that Jesus is going to deal with. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again? Well, you're going to be in one of these three groups. Either you're going to be in the faithful or the unfaithful or the rebellious. Let's go to look at Luke chapter 19. We'll read the verses and then we'll pray together. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. Now as they heard these things, because he just said in verse 10, for the Son of Man has not come to do what? He's come to seek and to save that which is lost, not to condemn the world. They just heard those words. And as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. And because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, notice this. This is referring to Jesus, who's going to go and establish a kingdom, receive a kingdom from his father and return. But he's using it as a nobleman. Verse 13. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, which is about three months' wages. And he said to them, do business till I come. Would you underline that statement? Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, underline this next phrase, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your miner has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful, underline that, in a very little have authority over ten cities. Now, do you understand what he's saying? When Jesus established his kingdom, we're going to be ruling. Because he had gained, he's going to be ruling over cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also will be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here's your mina, which I've kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. 
And Jesus said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that it may, at my coming, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, probably the other people that received, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said, Master, he already has ten. And Jesus answers by saying in verse 26, I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Let's pray. Father, we live between your ascending to God to receive from the Father the kingdom and your return. And the longer history goes, the sooner and quicker is going to come your return. And there will be a day of accounting. Father, help us to search through this parable to understand the faithful and the unfaithful and the rebellious that we might be prepared for given account and your return. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pause for my message for a minute. You know, I hear so many Christians, oh, man, I just, I don't, want to, I don't want to live here anymore. I just want to go home. I just can't wait for Jesus to come because I'm getting out of here. Well, wait a minute. Are you ready to give an account? Are you ready? Because when he comes, you're going to have to give an account. So let's look, first of all, at the faithful servants. We see them here in verses 15 through 19. And this parable is all about service. That's the one word you could write all over this parable. It's all about service. And there are three facts about these faithful servants, three facts about their service that we want to look at. Fact number one, they knew their responsibility. They knew their responsibility. Do business till I come. That's your responsibility. And each servant, now I want you to notice, they all had the same amount. They all had the same mina. And they were to take that same amount, equal amount, and put it to work until Jesus returns or the nobleman returned. Now, I believe that the pound represents the fact that all of us as believers have been giving Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. Will we be found faithful with that which we've all been equally given? You see, 
there's nobody here, there's no Christian that has more of Jesus than any other Christian, that has more of the Holy Spirit than any other Christian, or has more of the Word of God than any other Christian. We've all been given equally Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and His Word. Now, the question comes, will we put it to work? Will we put our owning Jesus, our owning the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God, have we put it to work? So before Jesus returned to heaven to his Father to prepare for the kingdom and to bring it when he returns, he commissioned his followers to take the pound, to take this gospel, to take this Jesus, to take this Holy Spirit, to take this word of God and multiply it everywhere and do business till I come. So they knew their responsibility. Fact number two, they did their job faithfully. They did their job faithfully. Each one but one took his piece of money and went out to do business and to multiply that which was given to them. Now, they didn't make excuses. They didn't postpone their responses. They knew that their master was coming back, and they knew that they were going to have to give an account. Now, we know what Jesus has entrusted to us. We know that he's entrusted uh, Jesus to us. He's entrusted the Holy Spirit to us. He's entrusted his word to us. We know that. We know that he's coming back. We know that we're going to give an account one day. So we have no excuses but to be faithful. Fact number three, they were rewarded for their faithfulness. Now, it's interesting because no reward was promised here But God in His graciousness rewarded them, even though He didn't promise it to them. And we ought to be faithful simply because of appreciation of what God has given us. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, His Word, He's entrusted that to us. We should be thankful for that. But you see, God is even going to reward us further in the kingdom. When He returns, how we've invested is going to determine our role in that kingdom. Now note that not everyone produced the same results. Everyone had the same mina to work with, but they produced different results. There are different opportunities that we have, different uh, abilities that we have. But we all have the same pound. And he entrusts that same pound to all of us, and he doesn't expect the same results, but he expects the same faithfulness. So if we faithfully use the little that God has given to us, then He's going to give us more in the kingdom when He returns. So the pound, we're going to see later on, was taken from the unfaithful servant and was given to the one who had done the most, who had done the ten pounds. Why was that? Because he could be trusted with more. Can you be trusted with more? See, when Jesus Christ returns, he's going to reward the faithful ones with responsibility in his kingdom. Stop and think about this. How is it going to be determined who we're going to reign over and what parts of the earth we're going to reign over when we come with Jesus Christ? It says we'll be setting upon thrones and reigning with them. What we've done with our pound. What we've done with Jesus, what we've done with his word, what we've done to the Holy Spirit. It will determine our place and how much we're going to reign over in his future kingdom. So, folks, we're not done yet. That's not exciting for you? We're not done yet. 
there's still going to be work to be done when Jesus Christ returns for a thousand years. I've only lived 71 years. I can't imagine multiplying that out to a thousand years. See, we need to be faithful now. Today. So that we can be involved with the work of God in the future. What we do now, we think, oh, Jesus Christ is coming. It's all, it's all going to be just uh, uh, heaven and peace. And, and I'm just going to you know, walk this. No, you're going to be reigning here first. Before the new heaven and new earth. Based on your faithfulness. You with me so far? Are you with me so far? Number two, let's, let's look at the second group, the unfaithful servant. Only one person involved. We see that in verses 20 through 26 here. And there are three facts about this unfaithful servant. And those also reveal his service. Fact number one, he knew his job, but he didn't do it. He heard the same command as the others. He even called the nobleman Lord. See that in verse 20? Yet he didn't do what he was asked. Now, if he's Lord, shouldn't he have obeyed? Yes or no? Just want to make sure you're not just frozen out there, that you're with me. Now, he didn't lose his pound, not initially. But neither did he invest it. He saved it. I'm saved. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I've entered into your kingdom. Well, who's with you? Uh, no one. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I ask? I want that statement to sink in. Why do we call Jesus Lord? And not do what he asks. Well, that's for the missionaries. That's for the pastors. That's for the people who get paid to do it. Go. Make disciples. Teaching them. Baptizing them. Go. Love. Me with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Those aren't options. Those are pounds. Given to us to invest. He knew his job, but he didn't do it. Second, his heart was not right with his master. His heart was not right. See, that led him to unfaithfulness. It always does. If your heart is not right with Jesus, it will always lead to unfaithfulness. The servant probably knew that his master was coming back, but he didn't live in light of it. He was too busy about his own life and what his agenda and what he had to have going on and what he had plans. And God, don't mess them up. Don't come until I fulfilled what I want to do in my life. See, many Christians, they believe in the Lord's return. They just don't live in light of it. What would be different about your life if you knew Jesus was coming back at 3 o'clock today or 5 o'clock tomorrow morning? What would be different? What would you do differently? The Bronco game may not be all that important. Nothing wrong with watching it, by the way. See, the servant 
Here's the problem. He feared his master. He was convinced that his master was stern and harsh and selfish, who probably wouldn't reward him anyway. Look at that in verse 21. See, the word there in verse 21 means stern, it means harsh, severe. It, in the Greek, it means sour, unripe grapes. Now, I want you, is this the way we see Jesus? Is he stern? Is he harsh? Is he sour, unripe ripe grapes to us? Is this the way our heart is with Jesus, you see? Fact number three. His unfaithfulness cost him his reward. His unfaithfulness cost him his reward. Now the servant, if he really believed even his own words, he should have worked harder. If he really believed that Jesus was this harsh taskmaster he's going to give an account to, he should have worked harder. Now, folks, his words were just excuses. I got a quote by Warren Wiersbe, and I'm going to say it twice. He said, people who are good with excuses are really good at anything else. I love that. People who are good with excuses are rarely good with anything else. Now, here's the servant. He lost his opportunity simply because of his unfaithfulness. Once the master returned, the opportunity was gone. And once Jesus returns, our opportunity is gone. The opportunity for a harvest, the opportunity to invest, the opportunity to earn a reward is gone when Jesus returns. So right now, I'm grateful God hasn't returned because I've yet to invest. You understand what I'm saying? Let's don't be so eager for him to return without being just as eager to invest. I just thought of a thought. I wonder if we'll be slumlords in the kingdom. <laughs> that just crossed my mind. That has a vivid picture to it if you think about it. I'm sorry about that. He proved un- unworthy for working for the kingdom in the future. He had not been faithful over a few things. One thing. So he lost out of being master of many things. Much more things. You know the thing that that has haunted me, uh, not so much lately, but I know in in my high school and my college years, is that I'd get to heaven And I'm not going to be judged for my sin, but God would take me aside and show me, Ed, let me show you what your life could have been. That to me would be hard. I want to go to two two passages, then we'll come back to this one. Look at, at, at John, 2 John, not the book of John, in the Gospels, but John. First, first, second, third John. Look at second John. Eight. Underline this. Look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. 
that we do not lose those things we worked for. Do you get that? Look out that you don't lose the things we worked for, but that we may receive a full, a full reward. That is a powerful word. I could preach on that alone today. Look to yourself that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. And look at Revelation 22. The last book of the Bible, almost the last spoken words of Jesus ever recorded. There are a few more, uh, but he, he says, sure, I'm coming quickly. That's his last words. But look at verse 12. He says in, in Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming quickly. Uh, he doesn't end right there. And my reward is with me. And he's coming. His reward is with him to give to everyone according to his work. Now this isn't talking about sin. That's taken care of by the blood of Jesus. This is talking about our place in the kingdom. Let's go look at the rebellious people, the last group. The rebellious people. We see them in verse 14. I want to see this. But the citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We will not have this man reign over us. And in verse 27, But bring here those enemies of mine, those rebellious people, who did not want me to reign over them, and slay them before me. Do you understand that's what's going to happen when Jesus Christ returns? And those who have not received Jesus Christ, he will slay them. He's going to cast the Antichrist and the false prophet to the lake of fire. He's going, to cast, he's going to bound Satan for a thousand years, and he will slay them. You know, this little statement about says it all about those who do not have Jesus today. We will not have this man to reign over us. Now, the immediate application here is obviously to the nation of Israel because they expected Jesus to come and to establish his kingdom, but Jesus did not come to change Israel's politics. He came to change their hearts. And Jesus is more about not maintaining our politics today as he is about changing our hearts today. And we're going to have great opportunities like we've never had before, I believe. But interesting that later these same people who said, we'll not have this man reign over us, it was the same people who said, we have no king but Caesar crucifying. What were the consequences of this rebellion for Israel? What was the consequence of this rejection? First of all, the city of Jerusalem was absolutely destroyed by the armies of Rome. The temple was totally destroyed, and the people were scattered, and they were scattered until 1948, 1949, across the face of the earth, because of their rebellion, because of their rejection. But there's another application here. It goes beyond Israel. When Jesus returns, he's going to punish those who would not bow before him and who will not submit to his will. Turn me to Acts 17. Look at Acts 17. It's quiet in here, you all right? It's not an easy message. 
but it should be a challenging one. Acts 17, verse 25. This is is what he says. This is what's being said by Luke. Nor is he worshipped with man's hands, as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all, all believers, look at this, what he gives. The pound, life, breath, all things. Look at verse 28. For in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Think of those words. Do you live? Do you move? Is your very being pulsating with Jesus? Why? Because we're his offspring. God still seeks after men. Isn't it interesting that just before this parable, you have Luke 19, verse 10, says, Jesus said, I'm come to seek and to save that which is lost. So when Jesus returns, it's going to mean rewards for the faithful. It's going to mean loss of reward for the unfaithful. It's going to mean judgment for the rebellious. One last passage to turn to. Second Thessalonians. I love Thessalonians. And in Second Thessalonians, it's really about, read it sometime in light of the coming of Christ. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1. It starts out, verse 6, it's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you those trouble us as Christians. So let me tell you, those who trouble us as Christians, those who say we can't worship, those who want to trouble, I I tell you what, it says here that God is going to repay them with tribulation. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. The rest doesn't come, it doesn't, this isn't talking about a rapture, let's talk about when Jesus is coming with his holy angels. In flaming, look at this verse, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's when he's going to be glorified in his saints, the next verse. So which group are you going to be in? The rewarded faithful? The loss of reward unfaithful? The judged rebellious unbeliever? See, today is not the day of judgment. Aren't you glad? We might think it is, but today is not the day of judgment. You know, it's a day of grace. Today we live by grace. Anyone can be saved by grace. Anyone can receive a reward by grace. It all comes down to faithfulness. Which are you today? The faithful servant who does good? The unfaithful servant who does nothing? The rebellious unbeliever who does evil? Jesus is going to deal with all of us when he returns. So as we've looked at these parables, 
over the last 13 weeks. As I said at the beginning, they are mirrors to look at ourselves. They are windows to look at God. And the way we see ourselves and the way we see God will determine whether you're the faithful, the unfaithful, or the rebellious. Let's pray. Search our hearts, O God. You know us. You see us. Help us to be honest with ourselves and honest with you. Is this just a game we're playing? Are you just unripe fruit in our heart? Do we see you as harsh and mean? Or do we live in appreciation for giving us the pound of your Son, of your Word, of the Holy Spirit? And God, help us to search our hearts to see, are we doing business? Are we doing your business? So many distractions, so many things to take our time and attention, hours spent on things that have no eternal value whatsoever, God. Help us to be redeem the time. Purchase it back. Not let the enemy drift us into just this neutrality with you. But Father, we may be found faithful. And we want to thank you for what you're doing. We want to give you praise for your work among us. In Jesus' name, amen.